Welcome back, everybody, to the European Tour Picks and Bets Mayo Media Network. Skylar Hope here uh, after a little bit of a layoff. European Tour did not see any tournaments over the last two weeks. But now that we have the World Golf Championship making its way over to Florida, we've decided to come on in for a little Tuesday preview, breaking down some of the sub-markets and who we're interested in most coming over from the European Tour and competing this week at the Concession Golf Club. Tom, how's it going? Yeah, it's good. It's it's strange, isn't it? Having a bit of a break. It was uh, it was disappointing. We had a great Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, Justin Rose kind of wasn't you know expected to go well, and he did. Kevin Nahr, I don't want to talk about Kevin Nahr. Um, but you know, it was good. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, right, we've got nothing to talk about for four or five weeks. So it's back. You know, we can talk about his uh, give you a bit of insight into his regular guys on the European tour. Um, obviously, go and see Pat and Jeff show. We want the, the sort of full breakdown of the PJ guys, etc., which we are on as well. But we're here just to give you a bit more about the European Tour regulars. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think back to the Saudi um, Invitational, you see Tony Finau finishing T2 there. We go last week to the PGA Tour, Tony Finau finishing T2 there. It's like, you know, time is stagnant in this world of golf with what we have. And and I'm really excited for this week. It's actually in my backyard here, about 15 minutes away from where I'm living. So try to sneak onto the ground. So if you see anybody out there um, pumping us, you know, that's, that's kind of me making my way, hopefully, to the course this week. But this field is loaded with with a lot of the guys that, you know, we are primarily backing on the European tour, you know, you're, you're getting in there due to the, you know, official world golf rankings that these golfers have that kind of get the bottom of this field and the odds boards and the lower end of the DraftKings pricing full of all of these guys that we love to play overseas. But I think we need to mix it up and start a little bit. So uh, with the top of the board. So again, we're just going to stick naturally to those that are playing on the European tour the most and two of the those better players, especially as of late, are some that you're interested in, Tom. Um, let's kick it off with uh, your top of the board picks. Yeah, so for me, and it's strange because it's a guy that I don't really uh, get into very often. I, I, I kind of find he's a bit defeatist. And, you know, it's Matthew Fitzpatrick. You know, the first thing he said uh, when the Bryson thing comes out is that he could go and add 40 yards to his game. It's not really a skill. And I was like, you could go and do it. Just go and do it because you're going to leave yourself behind, right? Um but over the last couple of years, he's kind of devoted his time to the PJ Tour a bit more. Um, he's obviously got that win at the DP World before uh, the Christmas break. Um, and, and that seems to serve him well. And now I just think that when you look at where he's played well, it's Florida, it's Bay Hill. Uh, it, you know, he should play well at Honda, Valspar, et cetera. But Bay Hill primarily, he's got, he had the seconds of Molinari, didn't he? Where Molinari had a 64 final round. Um, and Memorial, I think, is a great golf course uh, to comp here. Again, guesswork because I do not know what this golf course is going to be like. I could, I can guess and I could say to you, I know everything about it, but I just don't. Uh, I spoke to Paul Cesario in a week and he just said, short game is going to shine through, you know, chipping, passing, and staying patient was his key words. And the two guys I've taken to European saw, Matthew Fitzpatrick, right? We generally associate patience with. I think he's a guy that doesn't play himself out of tournaments. He builds himself, there's no cuts, so it's not a case he's going to get yourself stuck behind the scoring. There was a bit of frustration in the final day, wasn't there, at Riviera with Fitzpatrick. He did look a little bit, you know, the putts that he normally gets going in weren't going in. But I think he'll kind of learn from that. I think he was right there. He's got one of the most experienced caddies in the world on the bag in Billy Foster. We know what his chipping and passing is like. And if that is the test that we're going to expect this week, then he should be a good guy. And he, I think he's plus 6,000, 6, you know, big guy for uh, this tournament. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, we didn't really do a course breakdown to introdu introduce the show because 
again, we all are playing games. You said it beforehand, you know, guessing from a flyover is, is something that's difficult to do. Looking at the 2015 Bryson DeChambeau championship, you know, in, in, in college, like that is just a different ball game that we're trying to attack with professional golfers now playing this course. To your point, it does look like to some of those green services, those complexes, a short game is going to matter. So I, I love the angle that you see with Fitzy there. Um, and again, yeah, he was, you know, through 54 holes right in the mix of things. You know, I think he bogeyed 17 or something early on uh, Sunday morning and just fought it all Sunday. But the, the stretch of golf that he really has had, you know, has been truly impressive. So to get him, you know, 60 to one, I mean, he, I think that's pretty fair coming in with the form that he has. And to your point, if it's going to be a test and I hope it is, I hope they give these guys, you know, some, some challenging courses. Cause I think when that happens, your next guy can, can make a run at it too. Yeah, so just just one last bit on Fitzpatrick. I think that the thing that kind of hurt him was that I think everybody expected Sam Burns to come back early, and and he didn't. Right, he had a great front nine, and I think Fitzpatrick felt the pressure to kick on really quickly and got really despondent because he didn't catch. If he'd have just stayed patient around that front nine, got a couple under par, Sam Burns did give up eventually. He could have then made his attack on the back nine. But I think he kind of took himself out of it. But I think he's. He's mature enough. He's got a good caddy on the bag, but we're talking about that. Next guy, Justin Rose. I'm going to go back to the well. Um, it may be a bit of recency bias. The last time we did this video, he you know, comes second. He's right up there. Was in contention. He probably shouldn't even have been in contention because Dustin probably should have run away with it, but he was. And yeah, I think Pat and Jeff talk about betting the ceiling of a player. Well, betting the ceiling of Justin Rose, then you know, this guy is, this shouldn't be a 60 to 1 golfer, right? He's. He's one of the only players, I think it's nine or 10 players that have got multiple WGC victories in this field. He's one of them. He's won at Memorial and he's lost in the playoff at Memorial. Uh, he's you know, had great runs at uh, Bay Hill, which I think will be a really good comp. So everywhere that you want him to play well, he does. You know, he likes the green surfaces and the Bermuda greens. Everything sort of suggests that he should play well. So if you're expecting Rose to be back as, as I was when he was in Saudi Arabia, and as I hope it will continue, then it's a great spot for it. Yeah, and you look at Rose on DraftKings too, coming in at 7,700. You know, based on those odds, he seems to be a pretty significant value. And again, if you're speculating the comeback of what he is, of course, you know, I, I agree with you in the point of I'd rather be early uh, on individuals because you're getting those payoffs if it is than to be sitting there chasing the 28s 33s that come after they may lose out in a playoff or something for example the thing is is he's never going to get to 200 250 to one you haven't got I think people don't want to jump at 70 or 60 to one because they think oh he's going to get to a really big price look how long it's taken Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth to get to those prices They've got those prices. One good week, they're back down. You know, Jordan Spieth, what was he, 100 and whatever he was to one to Phoenix. Phoenix, yep. Uh, 28 to one next week. And that's exactly what happened to Justin Rose. If he contends this week, he's going to be 20 to one for the next PJ Tour event because everyone knows how good he can be. And if he doesn't, if he, if he doesn't play well this week, then you just chalk it out to a bad pick and, and move on. But, but Fitzpatrick's in great form and Justin Rose has the potential to be, they, they're great fits for what I'm looking at this week. Yeah, you definitely have piqued my interest, specifically in Fitzpatrick, looking in kind of the, the outrights up there. And to your point, you know, we, we mentioned we're going to get into the, the deeper end of a lot of these European tour guys and the echelon of players that win WGCs are, are world-class players. And not to say the 58th ranked golfer in the world isn't, you know, the 
an elite golfer, but it's a big task for some of these guys making their debut or maybe their second WGC start and to expect them to contend. And that's why we're going to take a look at some of these sub markets when we look at these deeper European tour odds guys. So for me, I'm kind of attacking a little bit of the angle of off the tee prowess. So if I think about that on the European tour, because at this course, it looks like all four of the par fives are reachable in two and potentially two of those par fours can be drove as well. So if you look at who is the best in class off the tee for the European tours competing this week, Lori Cantor is right there, Rasmus Hoygaard, and then my man, Robert McIntyre would probably be the third one of that bunch who are the best off the tee guys there. So as we dip into the sub markets, is there anybody else that's kind of sticking out to you that you want to speak on? And we'll look at some odds specifically for those guys, but those are the three that seem to be a little bit too deep in some of these. Yeah. And I mean, we'll come on to those three guys in a sec. The one, the one guy that I looked at from a sub market point of view, we talked about the podcast last night was Victor Perez. I don't think that he can, necessarily win the golf tournament you know we expect them to go well at europe we expect them to win european tour events this is a huge step up you know as much as he's 28 29 years of age he is still fairly immature in his own golfing career and the win at wgc as you just alluded to you know dustin's won six of the last whatever you know since 2013 you know that's a, that's a standard right and then all the other guys i think the, the worst golfer if you like of the people that won wgc's of russell and this is where and he was playing at a decent level at the time. And that was a course that they go back to quite a lot in you know, China. You've got a, an idea that you come into a brand new golf course and, and a lot of these guys are coming in their first time. The thing I like about Perez, which I've alluded to a couple of times on the show so far, uh, JP Fitzgerald, I think he'll be a huge asset. Um, you know, he knows what it means to be in the WGC, he knows what it means to be the major. He's been here with Rory McIlroy. Um, he's he lives in Scotland now, I believe he does. Uh, it's Perez, so he's just used to, to kind of challenge himself with these short games. Um, you know, the tight lies around the greens, the putting. It's not his best asset. His, his asset is his offense, right? You know, pound greens, and, and that's what you expect. And and he's long enough to reach those par fives as you spoke to. If he can just keep himself in, and I think having that experience Kelly on the bag will help him. Then that's where I'd look, and I think is it twenty eight to one? I think he is for a top continent, uh, top European. That would probably be the angle. So, and and I think with Perez, even the the better of angles. I know we're kind of focusing on some picks. Is he's sixty nine hundred on DraftKings for the week, which you know based off of his. And again, I just don't want to correlate odds to DraftKings salaries, yeah. but with the talent that we know of Perez, to see him sub seven k. That that is especially guaranteed four rounds. I absolutely think he's a phenomenal play on DraftKings for the week. And then again, if you you attach, you know, I mean, if top European tour player twenty eight to one for Perez, and then that if you take the each way for you guys, actually DraftKings produced the um, most sub markets for us here in the U.S. So Victor Perez is plus five sixty for a top four finish of European tour players. So again, in each way in that sub market, that, that's a pretty decent offering for somebody who I think can really eat up the course to your point. And I'm going to be, you know, loading up on him on DraftKings. So I'm a big fan. And also what's nice about Perez is he actually has a top five finish in a WGC in the past at so the HSBC fall of 2019 when he was really going on a run he finished fourth at that wgc so i just think he's got big game to him so i like that 
Yeah, and he played well at Augusta as well. He's got, he's got this kind of experiences, isn't he, where he's, he's been there and done it on the stage. And the guys that you're speaking about now, Laurie Kansas, this is completely unfounded territory. Robert McIntyre is a bit different. He's had that run at the Open, uh, very, very talented. Rasmus Hoygaard, the point you make about the the four rounds, you know, there's no miscut. We saw what Hoygaard done on that final day last time out. You know, he can take it deep. And 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 that's what you need for drafting scoring, right? You don't get as punished. This is something I've been guilty of: is looking at guys and trying to find the guy that's going to win all the time. But what you want, what you sometimes it almost plays a total volatile guy that just makes birdie, birdie, eagle, and then double bogeys and, and puts himself out of the tournament. It doesn't really matter when, as long as they're getting the scoring in, especially in this format of WGCs where you need there's, there's no miscuts and you just need a guy that's going to put the, the scores together. Yeah, and, and to your exact point, I mean, taking it deep like he did the last time we saw Hoygaard, Sunday 62 in Saudi, and that was the best round of the day by three strokes. So, you know, you see that recent form that that is kind of popping for Rasmus. And again, two-time winner at the age of 19 on the European Tour, incredibly impressive. Um, and, and the stretch that he did, unfortunately, didn't take advantage of that when he got in his last major championship. Um, but he's going to have all those opportunities this year, you know, a good finish here potentially gets him into the match play, you know, and you might be able to get into the players. Of course, you're in there. A, a good United States run on the PGA tour it is big time for a lot of these European tour guys. So I'm excited for what's kind of ahead on some of these and they can take advantage similar to what the Wallaces and the Hattons have done over the last few years. And now they're regulars. And, and that's the thing is, is I was actually disappointed Wallace didn't get into the field because I thought he was being right up his ballpark and, I, and I'm not a massive Wallace fan, but it seemed to strike him. And I saw what the course was, I mean, Wallace would be great. He'd probably get the hump, but he'd be great. To your point about the how important it is to play well here, this is the start of an extended Florida swing. They can play well this week. They're going to get invited to Honda. They're going to get invited to Bay Hill. You know, it. it's, you know, it's so prestigious. And, and sometimes that's going to work against people, but it also gives you the motivation on a Sunday when you're not really in it to go and shoot an eight iron underground because you know what that can do to your world ranking points, to your Ryder Cup spots, with Perez especially. There's a reason to play all four rounds. Yeah. I completely agree. And again, you don't have to worry about them teeing off and, and being three out of the cut line on, on day two. And it becomes a stress all day with a sweat. You know, the WGCs are just a, a different experience. So I love the angle. And we talked about attacking off the tee. Hoygaard is very long off the tee. His last two times out, he really picked it back up. What he had been leading the European tour for a little bit of time last year. You know, that to me is somebody you absolutely can go into um, at 6,700 on DraftKings. And then if you look into those submarkets, again, listed on DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, so if we went into Hoygaard, so if you wanted to look into with the one that made most um, sense, I guess, for him, since he is uh, what from Denmark, right? So, yeah. so Denmark, he would be in the um, top European tour market and he was plus 650 for that top four. And again, that market is led by Rom, Rory, Hatton and Hovland of the four top guys. But again, if you're, you're trying to compete out one of those, I think from him down, I think, you know, Hoygaard has a lot of upside. So to get it at plus 650, he's 33 to one to be the top European tour player. But I'd be attacking that from the, the top four angle and think he can make a run at that. Yeah, I think it's it's completely unrealistic to expect him to be the top European tour player. So I think to do that, he would have to be in the top 
four or five. You know, one yeah. of one of Hassan, one of Fitzrose, uh, Rory, Ram. One of those is going to be in contention on Sunday. So you, you're trying to take that on. But as you say, with the top four, you know, he's maybe got to finish twelfth. You know, tenth, twelfth, whatever. That's then a lot more appealing. And you know, one one of the things you say. Out of the you know, it's Danish, the, the, the sort of prototypical Danish guys in so far has just been an elite short game. You know, Soren Kjeldsen, who's played really well at these WGCs. Um, Thomas Bjorn would have played great at those sort of things in the past. He's got that kind of pedigree, but he's also got this athletic side of him and long distance that he can kind of put it all together. And the thing that you said about he's already a two-time winner, and I, I put some hesitancy on that, didn't I, earlier on in some of the shows and said that small events, weak players that he beat, but like I said as well, no scar tissue. He's not gone to the WGC and finished 72nd before. He's not finished 64 and been humbled. He's got a chance to, to show himself off. Hopefully he does that. Absolutely. And you talk about two-time European Tour winners. Unfortunately, we can't talk about Guido Migliazzi this week. Even though <laughs> he falls into that category, he's not teeing it up, unfortunately. However, they announced on the European Tour today, instead of the open qualifiers for the U.S. Open, they're going to do that mini-series again. And whoever racks up the most points during that you know, five-event swing, I think it was, or three-event swing, yeah. um, they're going to get exemptions into the U.S. Open. So, Hold our hopes. Guido is going to be playing a major this year. This is big year for Guido. It's still coming. Yeah. It's, uh, um, if, he, if he's in the Open Championship, we'd have to fly you over because it's just down the road from me. Oh, that'd be exciting. All right. <laughs> I'm in. I am in. So um, if we continue on down, again, we, we mentioned Lori Cantor. So Lori Cantor is – what's the best way to describe Cantor? An elite ball striker who, when he's in the moment – you know, it, it's difficult for him to capitalize, very typical of, of young players or those that haven't broke through yet. But his off the tee numbers, even adjusting them for field strengths, he is one of the probably the top 20 guys off the tee in the world, which is a lot to say for somebody who's really broke on the scene over the last 12 months. But if you can take advantage of that here, his short game isn't terrible either from a chipping perspective, from a five foot putting end of it. It's a, it's a little treacherous, but again, if you look at those sub-markets, I think Cantor is one, and on DraftKings, that we can really attack this week. The thing, the thing, the only negative I would say about Laurie Cantor is that I don't think he can get it done under the gun so far. He's not, you know, he's, he's lost to some really poor people, but what he is, is streaky, and, you know, he will go four birdies, five birdies, six birdies, you know, in a space of 10 holes, you know, he... That's the type of guy he is because he hits it so far. I, don't, I think it took a little while, for even myself, really, to to actually consider how good he is off the tee. You know, I think we saw it, you know, especially in Dubai. Um, you know, it is elite that he is at that level. And I think the good thing about Laurie Cantor and these other English guys is I don't think playing in Florida is that different to playing, you know, at home really in terms of because of winds. Obviously, it's nicer weather, so you you don't have this horrible winds where you can't chip and putt, but we looked at I looked at Doral very briefly, and Jamie Donaldson nearly won there one year. You know that's the level of player that can come up and play these sort of tournaments. And if it gets really, really hard, a guy that I've been really against so far from this point, Christian Bezuidenhout. If it gets really tough, I'd go that way. I don't think it's going to get that tough, so I wouldn't advise it. But if it if it's going to be a single digit, you know, under par, and that's right in his wheelhouse. Yeah, he's somebody who I think, to your point. What, what made me nervous was what is required off the tee for, for Bazaine. And we, we've mentioned that too, that, yeah. you know, he might not be there, but it's, it's evolving, but that short game is lights out. 
So when it gets difficult and you don't, you can't really be attacking it, you know, the way a Dustin Johnson or a Rom or Rory who at the top of these fields are. Yeah. I'm definitely in for the South African uh, from that standpoint. And if you looked at Cantor, so Cantor, again, if you went down, if you wanted to really shrink down to the sub markets, they do have the top English player available. So the top four in that point are Hatton, Fleetwood, and then your two boys, Fitzpatrick and Rose. After that, we get Sullivan, Westwood, and Aaron Rye with Laurie Cantor. So a plus 240 to top three in that sub-market, you know, a juiced up three ball. You know, if you're competing against, if you just say two of those top four are going to finish in the top three, you know, an opportunity to attack Cantor there at plus odds. I like that angle. And again, on DraftKings, you know, Cantor, somebody is a incredibly streaky. So to have him um, down at 6,500, I think that would be the one for or 6,600 for Cantor coming in 21st, fourth. I like the move too. And I'm not overall as worried about these because I don't, I don't care about travel that much in, in yeah. the realm of things. Cause they travel so luxurious, you know, um, <laughs> with, with their, their winnings, but they have had a layoff of time. So they don't have to rush into Florida on Tuesday and not get a practice round in, you know what I mean? These guys have been here for a little bit of time now. And, and this is, this is the thing is I kind of, you look at Hatton, right? Tyrrell Hatton is, he's going to be popular because of the way he's playing. He's had no adjustment period. He, he's, he, I think he lives in Florida or is based in Florida for a long period of time now anyway. Um, he has, we haven't seen him for a little while. That's the, that's the thing. And and not it wouldn't put me off about that. What would put me off is that is when everyone thought he was in place a while in the majors, you know, and it's that end of last year, he didn't show up and missed cuts. You know, WGC's got a bit of a better record, but it is, it tends to, I don't know if it's a pressure thing. I think he puts a pressure on himself. Whereas at European Tour, he kind of walks up, knows he's the big dog, Knows he's going to get it done. And I think Tommy Fleetwood's a little bit the same as well, who I spoke about last night on the podcast, is that I, for the first time in a long time, I've gone, Tommy Fleetwood was a big consideration for me. I wrote down a lot. He's brilliant at Bay Hill. He's, he needed one a Honda. You know, Memorial was the sort of course that would suit him. Uh, the players, he's played well. Everywhere that, that makes sense, he plays well. So it is scary to take those guys on, but there is negatives, you know. Fleetwood isn't playing the way he's playing. And his strength is his irons. Well, if they're slightly off, which they have been, then his short game isn't elite to save him, whereas Till Hatton's is. Yep. Um, and I think the, the thing you say about with the, the DraftKings is you can you can have a balance here, can't you? The guys that, that really fit the the long game, so you've got the Kansas, you've got the high guards, you McIntyre's great at the T, you can load up those guys and then take your elites in Hatton or whoever. Um, but you know, just balance it out because we just don't know. We we think that having length of fatigue is going to pay off. It could be that at the end of you know, I think Eric Van Roy when he was in Mexico last year did a lot of it with just short game. You know, it, it really is the prototypical player makes sense, but there's always one in the top five that just gets it down around the grids. Yeah, absolutely. And and you hope to couple the the green performance with a lights out ball striking, and that's when you get magic happens. And you know you fortunately run into those situations, um, time in and out, and that's what McIntyre does. Maybe two out of four rounds every week, <laughs> he is almost guaranteed. It feels like a sixty five every time he tees up, but he might have shot a seventy five the day before, yeah. and 
to, to see him, you know, do what he did at the open last year, finish inside the top 10, you know, in his home country, you know, was a huge, I think, stepping stone to what has become. And I think, I don't know if many people realize that he battled an injury towards the end of the year layoff, you know, and then just kind of struggled for a little time of stretch before getting that first win at the Cypress showdown. And arguably, I mean, he might be the, you know, kind of the hot, hot buzzing guy that's coming over that people are starting to be more familiar with. He's going to knock on wood, get into Augusta with a good stretch of golf up here. He's going to play in the match play uh, almost the one I compare maybe in a sense to is Justin Harding went on that stretch a few years yeah. ago where he won and he was right there in it. He comes over, plays the Houston open, you know, then he plays the match play almost beats Rory. Like McIntyre is going to get these kind of opportunities as the hot new thing. Now on the PGA tour side over the next few weeks, already in the Arnold Palmer invitational, he's going to be in the players. He's going to have two WGCs and hopefully it ends with a major and that's five shots. You get right there to rack up some FedEx cup points and make maybe have a shot at a special temporary membership to close out this year. And his life is forever changed. You know, that's the opportunity that lays, lays ahead of somebody like him inside the top 50, someone like Perez, who's now 30th in the world. You know, this is like we said, this is go time for them. And for two people off the tee who are arguably, you know, some of the best guys there on the European tour, I think McIntyre can, can take it deep here. I think that one of the things that's a really valid point because we see these guys in European tour, and this is why we do this show, is because they come up, over, you know, people say, well, they're, they're not as good. You know, they're, they're, their best is not the best of the PGA Tour. And to an extent, that's correct for the most part. Justin Harding finished 12th at Augusta and he did You know, um, it just happens sometimes. Chris Page, he won a, a, a great run and nearly picked up his card from, you know, the Corn Ferry. These guys can make life changing runs. Uh, Fernandez Castaño back in the day ruined his career trying to play the PGA Tour but you have to capitalise and these guys are going to see that and and yes it adds a bit of pressure and you've got to decide whether you think they're going to run with that or shy away from it Laurie Cantor is never going to play the standard of golf that he's playing like this probably for the rest of his career unless he unless he develops and, and this is his opportunity to do just that Yep. I mean, you, you said the exact situations, I think of Tom Lewis winning the corn Ferry, you know, tour yeah. finals. And, and, you know, now he's got a PGA tour card for the entire two years. You know, we finished his second in a WGC that earns you enough points to stay, stay on there as long as yeah. you're doing it, you know, and, and again, we're not even going to go into the Puerto Rico open, but that field is flooded with guys looking for their chance. You look at the top of the board and it's like, we have a European tour event yeah. there with Peters and Wallace and grace. And, 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 you know, you get in the situation, that corn fairy guys are fighting there. So, you know, that's the angle that I think yourself and, and me and a lot of those that are following us really, really like that side of golf, you know? And, and, yeah. And shout out to Thomas Dietrich who come, what, what was it? Fourth or whatever it was in the college event in 2015. Yep. Yep. That is the only thing that we have got to go by. And everyone's looked at that and gone, right, Bryson DeChambeau won the NCAA championship. It's a Bryson course. Bryson wasn't Bryson. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't a long guy. He beat CT Pan and Bo Hostler was 10. So you've got uh, Bryson, CT Pan, Bo Hostler, who were all modestly off the tee. And that's what gave me the kind of hope that it's Patrick could succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, Justin Rose is, is fairly long, but it, the short game will help. And 
And like you said, luckily you pick guys that, because Laurie Cantor, the, the negatives are, he doesn't look like he can make a winning putt, but he can putt and he can chip. Rasmus Boygaard, you don't shoot 62 unless you can get up and down. So these guys have proven it. I have no fear over any of them in terms of drafting scoring because there, there's nothing to fear. You, they're either going to fall behind on the scoring or, you know, they're not going to miss a cut. There's no volatility. It's actually quite a nice event to, to get into DraftKings if it's something that you're not into before. Yep. And again, no pressure of, of missing the cut. We're guaranteed the four rounds. So what were your odds on Fitzpatrick and Rose? We'll close out here. We'll run through the bets. Yeah. So I had them at 60 to one each. I think that may be a little bit down, maybe 55s. Um, look, any, anything north of 50 to one, I'm, I'm happy for both of them. Starts to get shorter than that, then you're, you're trying to take on the real elites. You know, you're, you're looking at the, the Victor Hovlands and, and people that are going to be around that price range. Sung J. Yim is a guy that I like because of the power angle. But then you start to be questioning. But all the time are over 50 to 1. I'm happy with both of those guys. Um, and Victor Perez, uh, I think it was 20 to 1, 28 to 1, top Euro. Um, and like you said, just play the, the top four because that's the sort of thing we're aiming for. Yep. So Perez was plus 560 on DraftKings Sportsbook for that top four. When you looked at top European tour player, that's a little bit deeper than what Robert McIntyre was. He was plus 500 for that top four, 25 to one outright. If you went deeper into Hoygaard and Cantor, plus 650, plus 800 in that top European tour player. Again, you can look at them in the top English player market where that goes to top three odds. I believe there's a top continental European tour player where you could get, or European player where you get Rasmus Hoygaard at plus 240 um, in those markets. So again, we're attacking the angle with specific guys. And then, you know, you know, giving them the opportunity to not have to finish inside the top five to cash those tickets uh, and give us a, a decent each way look at that. And again, three of those guys are sub 7,000 um, on DraftKings. You have Victor Perez at 6,900. You had Lori Cantor at 6,600. And then Rasmus Hoygaard to round it out. Rasmus is 6,700. So I think that gives us a good little cherry on top to attack in all different angles. And again, we're just getting started. You had a W UGC um, for this week. Again, we'll probably have the players. We can do something similar where we focus on a sub market for it. And the European tour is almost back. What are we two weeks away from the next yeah. event? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, it, it might be a small event. It might be a really you know bad event, but that's where we're going to come into play as, you know, there's going to be guys down at hundreds one in that European tour event that people have never heard of. You know, there's some guys that haven't heard of some of the players in this film, you know, and there's only 72 guys. So when you start getting, 100 and whatever guys it is on the European tour, it starts to get a bit sticky. There's probably not many people watching this video right now know who Richard Bland is. Um, he's, a, he's a heartbreaker. You know, these are the guys that we're going to be talking about in the future in a couple of weeks' time, and we look forward to getting back to that. But for now, you know, WGC event, I think we've been very cautious to say that it's a new course. It's hard to really get a firm grip on it, but I love the fact that you've looked at it and just gone, these guys are good off the tee. They're going to get that scoring done. From a DraftKings perspective, they're the best thing. And we've also been very clear, not to say that we've picked people that we know can't win. They all have the upside to win. Um, but the realistic expectation is that they're probably going to finish 6, 10, 6 as well. And yep, it, it, that's a good result. That's a, that's a phenomenal result. And that pays off. And that's how you win 
tournaments on DraftKings. It's how you can get the opportunity to cash those each ways. And, and you're right. We're, we're back in two weeks for some really big opportunities on the European tour. I'm actually jacked up that we get back to back weeks in Kenya. <laughs> so we have two tournaments going. So for, for those that remember, again, we mentioned Guido. This is now twice two Guido drops on a tournament that he is not teeing it up in this week. But we're going back to the Caring Country Club for the Magical Kenya Open, arguably the best trophy in the world. If you take a look at that trophy he won at the Magical Kenya Open, it's special. So that, but then they stay there um, for a tournament, I think teeing off on a Tuesday. So yeah. Tuesday through Friday for that week. So we'll run both of those for Kenya. But before that is the Qatar Masters um, in two weeks. So we'll have a good stretch of things leading up. And then seriously, it's going to be the match play before we know it. And that means the Masters on the horizon, you know, two of the best tournaments. I absolutely love the match play. So I, I'm getting geared up for some big weeks here for our guys. And, and this is a great time to talk about the guys because there's a match play. And it's always going to be what's considered a dusty Euro uh, taking on one of the top five guys in the world, and you think, what's going to happen? These guys are so good that one-on-one, anything can happen. Laurie Cantor can take Roy McIlroy down. Look, yep. you know, Laurie Cantor can beat DJ. Probably won't happen, but, you know, it, the expectation, and if we can give you the information, that's all we can do, right? We can only give you their great of tea, their great of this, this will be where their skill, you know, skill set is, and that's what we're here for. That's what we're trying to do. Any thoughts, again, like we say, come to us on Twitter, you might be interested in, um, but yeah, as far as we can say, a bit cautious this week because it's hard to know what to do with a new course, but we tried our best. Yeah. And please, again, European tour picks and bets. You can find us on the YouTube channel right here. If you're watching us, make sure you press that subscribe button. And then the mix is where you can locate us on now all Pat podcast formats there. So this is going to be going up in the audio version, which we got a huge amount of feedback for that. So now we're double dipping on both sides of that. So we appreciate you guys follow us on Twitter, interact, and we look forward to an awesome WGC. Thanks guys.